It's your boy, King Domini. We're back with another special podcast. Basically, we finally were able to get me, A.B. Guapo, in the same room. And then, of course, we have a special guest with us, the one and only Chandler, Vice Detective, Sleaze, Sleaze, everybody. What up, what up, what up, everybody? What's good, y'all? We're we're back. We're here in person. This is the first episode of us doing this in person, so we're trying to uh, learn the ropes, you know, a little bit. I'll I'll say that it's a lot different when you add video. We thought it was going to be easy, but it really isn't easy. It's one of those things where it's like, it sounds like it would be easy, but it really isn't. Once you add video, you get a whole different I don't know, this is a world of more technical issues. And you guys know we're the technical issues like kings. We always have technical problems. So this is the first. Season two is coming shortly. Uh, I know you guys are anxious for it. We've been getting a lot of messages from people like, when's season two coming out? Like, when are you guys dropping the next season? So it's coming. We're just, we got a lot of things going on in real life that kind of help hinder our uh, production in our timing, but we're going to get it out there. And once we start, you guys know every week we'll have good episodes, good content for y'all. So, but let's get started on the first segment. And actually, before we do that, let's, let's, let's get y'all some uh, FaceTime with our man. First off, so fuck tell you him, guys. Tell him about yourself. Download right? Google Chrome before I even came here. Okay. So don't get on my ass. Secondly, I look like Miami Vice because I have fashion. This dude's over here dressed like a bum. Hey, I look good. Get off me. But what's up, guys? I'm Caleb Chestnut, nicknamed Sleazy Steve, because it gets pretty sleazy when I get a couple Vegas bombs in me. Um, but yeah, I just came down to see my boys. Uh, we were in the military together, Wichita, Kansas. Um, and since then, we've all been getting out. We all got around, got out of the military around the same time frame. Um, they inspired me to do a podcast. I was supposed to do a podcast, but it's hard when you don't got somebody else to do a podcast with. Like watching these guys do this podcast, trying to get this podcast to grow, adding the video in this time. Super inspiring, so I definitely need to get on my shit. Yeah, you can't be out here saying you're going to start a podcast. They never do it. Like that's We talk about not you know, following your goals and you know, really doing things you say, so you got to get on it. You know, we can't wait to do that for sure. That's big facts. He's a procrastinator, to say the least. Perfectionist procrastinator. If that's ever a thing, that's that man to the yeah. left of me. But so what would you, for the people out here, what would you say your biggest growing pain was actually getting out? You know, I know a lot of, we had a lot of veterans watching, you know, so from someone who isn't, normally on the show what would you say from your perspective was your hardest time in your transition i would say probably hardest thing about getting out was one starting over but like i don't know a lot of people do this when they get out of the military or not but i went back to my hometown that was like a huge thing for me is like when i got back out of the military i wanted to go back to arizona where i live and having gone back there been there for about two years now it kind of feels like you're trying to step into your old life that you had before the military and it just don't fit anymore it's like when a snake sheds its old skin and then it tries to go back into that old skin it just doesn't work out and I did not anticipate that like I thought I'd get out go back everybody would be like waiting for me and whatnot and then I'd just like pick up from this old life and keep going but it's like you completely start over again and so like a lot of the people that you thought were like your boys back there your friends all that stuff people have changed you know stuff like that so it's not only like you starting over but you having to readjust to the environment that you once thought was like oh that's like pristine it's waiting for me when i get back it's not it's just a figment of your imagination so that that was definitely like a hard thing getting out trying to register like i'm completely starting over like relationship wise uh, financial, career-wise, like all that. So I, I wasn't as prepared for that as I thought I was. Would you say financially was hard or was it just like integrating with people? 
Because for me, I felt like financially was tough, but like I kind of have like a grinders mentality, so that didn't really bother me as much. But I honestly, I felt like connecting with people was harder than it was than like the money, just because like I felt like no one really understood where I was coming from sometimes. And I would say like certain things or I would do certain things and people kind of like look at me yeah. kind of funny, you know, and I'm like, well, that's what I've been doing for the last seven years. For to me, that felt normal. So how, how are you in that ex- aspect, I guess, of what I'm getting at? Yeah, the, the financial thing was definitely difficult, but I think the military gives you a grinder's mentality where like on one of the episodes of the podcast you were talking about, you use everything as a stepping stone. So you kind of have that idea of like, okay, this sucks, but I, I know where I want to go. So you like just grind right here and then I'll go to the next thing, go to the next thing. But yeah, like the interacting with people who aren't in the military or who aren't veterans and stuff like that. Like I have a fucking terrible potty mouth. So I'm cussing all the time. And a lot of people are just like thrown off by that or like, the topics we talk about in the military, like you sit on post with somebody for 12 hours, you talk about whatever, like under the sun, nothing's really off topic. Right. Some people in the civilian world are like, why would you even ask me that? Like, what are you talking to me? Like, I'm just trying to get to know you. Like, I'm not judging you, man. I'm just like, I want to know more about you. Like, we're just trying to burn time. And it, you definitely feel like you have a different relationship with other people. Like, it's weird. Like, I didn't think it would happen. But like, when you do meet somebody in the military, you're like, oh, shit, this dude. There's this weird thing of like, okay, he kind of knows what's up. You know, he knows how to grind. He knows like the suffering, the bullshit that you put up with, like the stuff that like makes no sense. But with, with the civilians, and I hate to say that because it makes it sound weird, but like people who haven't been in the military, like they're the things that stress them out. You're just like, what, like what's the deal? Or the, like when going out and having fun, like I just don't feel like I can have fun with the same, the same way I do with like all my military friends. So that the social aspect is probably the hardest part about getting out. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Like I, I think I said that on the, one of the earliest podcasts. It's like people will ask you to go out, and then you're like, "Cool, yeah, I'll go out," or like you kind of blow them off every once in a while. But the times that you actually do go out, and then it's like their fun isn't the same fun that we're accustomed to. So it's like, like you know we were so close knit and so deep, like even with people like we just knew on one post, like one day of post. And it was like, yo, it's like linked up, man. We're just talking about random ass shit. We're talking about life shit. We're talking about like so much well in depth shit where to normal Joe Schmo that's not in the military, like they might every once in a while, but then it's like, when you just feel like, bro, what if this happened? Or just some off the wall shit. They'd be like, why would you even think about that? Like, what's wrong with you? And it's just like, you like hanging out with these people because, you know, you want to make friends or whatever. But at the same time, I'm just like, not everyone fits that 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 mold that where you could just like, you become like that close friend. It's like you have your pre-military friends that you grew up with and like those are your boys for life. Um, nothing will change. I mean, unless circumstances between you two uh go a separate way but other than that then for the most part you have them and then it's like your military friends and then it's like your i for me i would put in an example of the baby shower like baby shower for those that don't know it it was like the emerging of some of my non-military friends and my military friends emerging together as one bringing them together for the first time and it was like i had stories with my non-military friend bringing up old stuff we used to do and how we, you know, back in the days of what we had fun and then telling him all the military stories that I had endeared with these two and other people. And then I was like, yo, y'all lived a wild life. And it was like, bro, like that's just the life that we had to live at that time. It wasn't like, it was like, it was fun, but it was like, that's how, that's what our career dictated our life to be at that moment for us to actually relax and have a good time or just to like can't believe this shit happened to us like what what other individual would this actually happen to and that's basically the huge difference and the crazy part for me personally is yeah I had these two different type of people these two group two different groups but they emerged into one eventually like 
Caleb, Alex, it became super cool with my friend uh, Anthony. They all we all emerged and like even to this day, like we'll face like we went to the beach the other day and we we're FaceTiming our friends and just be like, yo, guess who I'm with? And it's like, oh shit, what's up? What's going on? How you guys doing? Shit like that. So it's post military friends, like now that I moved to Houston, it was like those are like very few or there's it's non-existing because it's just like that relationship, that bond, it's, it's harder to create because civilian life after the military, it's like the only time you see those people is when you're at work. Even if you, and then every once in a while, you'll try to do something out of work with them. And it's like, it always resolves about back to work. Like there was always work related questions or stuff like that. It's never just about having a good time. So it's very hard for me to have close friends after military, other than the people that I've served with, or I've already had friendships with just for that simple reason. It's like, like, it's not like every night we're going like, Hey, you want to go grab some food? Like, uh, yeah, I if not, I'm just going to be in my apartment by myself watching Netflix or playing video games. Now, you don't have that. Everyone else nowadays has their own lives. So it's like, oh, yeah, no, nah, me and my girl are going out here. Oh, yeah, no. Nah. So friendship was one. But another thing for me was just finding what I wanted to do. Um, it's just because, like, in the military, you're some, a lot of times people are doing jobs that they not necessarily, like, felt like that was their career path. And then you get out and you have a million and one options out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer. You know, it's kind of like it felt like I was like back in high school going to college and being like, you know, like, what do you want to do? And it's like you're later in your life, too. So it's even more challenging because you're trying to integrate your choices that you made from your past and what you've got going on now for some people that just, you know, they have a family now or they're married now and they're making steps or choices that, you know, a lot of people made when they were younger, like they were 18, you know, and this almost feels like you're trying to play catch up to like people in the real world or I guess civilian world. I know that's a bad term, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. it's really the only way to separate it. But yeah. Um, so it feels like you're kind of playing catch up. And I kind of felt like I was comparing myself a lot to my friends on the outside who had been out because now it's like, they're the bar. You know, it's not like, you know, you, the bar was your friends in the military. Now the bar is the people out of the military. So now I'm like, okay, like, what do I got to do to get this job that pays, you know, 55,000, 60,000, whatever your goal is or whatever field you were in at the time, you know? So I felt like that was challenging. And it was just like, one of the biggest things, another thing was just like being okay with being where you're at at the time was another thing for me. It was kind of like, I always felt like, you know, like, okay, what do I got to do to get to the next place? And yet sometimes that's good, but yet in other cases it's bad because I felt like I was always in a race with myself, you know, and yeah, I was pushing myself to make decisions, but then it was like, I wasn't living any life because all I was doing was trying to grind, 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 grind to get... You know, I got to get here. I got to get here. You know, you got to sometimes take a step back and be like, okay, like, here's the goals I accomplished, you know, in this past three years. Like, so let's celebrate these things or let's focus on the good and not always, you know, the bad or the, you know, like the, the oh, I'm not here yet, but Joe over there, you know, he's got this, he's an executive or he's a business analyst or whatever he's doing. You know, it's, it's slow and steady wins the race, you know, and that was one of the things I felt like. I was always struggling with myself. Yeah, so to piggyback on what you were saying, that's factual. But I personally feel like that's the military in us pushing us forward because at an, I won't say all of the Air Force, but for our career field especially, I, I would say us maintainers, those ones that are like really the grinders of that uh, Department of Defense, it's like we're taught keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Like it's, it's always about the mission, like the mission, the mission, 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 your shit that you got going back home. We'll take care of that shit after we get the shit done. Like we'll like, we understand it. We hear you, we acknowledge it. We're going to get you the right help that you need. But right now focus on this job. 
focus on this job. All right, hey, we got to fucking exercise this week. That's all we're focused on. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Anything else that we got to worry about, it's, it's just go and just go. So it's like we're always taught the grind. So it's like it's hard to get out of that mentality because it's all we've been knowing for the last six or seven years. It's like you deal with even if something bad happens, you deal with the bullshit, the good times, the bad times. But it's always go grind, grind, grind. You All right. You got your CDCs done. All right. Now you got a QC. All right. QC. Now you got to worry about testing for staff. All right. You tested for staff. All right. Now you got to go to ALS. You graduated ALS. All right. Now you got like three or four troops you got to worry about. Oh, you got them all good. You did their, all their, okay. You, you got your interview statements and everything. All right. Now you got to you got to do your, uh, EPRs on them. Okay. You did your EPRs. Okay. Well, now you got to test for tech. Oh, you didn't make it this time. Now you got to test again, or you got a PT test. Oh, no. As you're doing all that. Oh yeah. By the way, we're going to throw you in on deployment. So it's just like, that's just the mindset of us. And I feel like it's sometimes it's hard to fucking sit there and just slow fucking down. I would say like that's, that can be very poisonous. Like being in therapy, I was taught to my therapist about the same thing about like the constant, like what's the next thing? What's the next problem to solve? Cause that's how, like you said, that's how the military kind of, it breeds you in, breeds that into you. Like, all right, just one thing after the other, you know, like there's never any downtime. It feels like, or not downtime, but no, like there's always the next mission, the next thing to accomplish, you know? So it just, I don't know, like getting out of the military, uh, I was like Booker was saying, like very comparative to the, I don't have any military friends around me. So I would look at them and where they're at in their career, you know, and I'm like, damn, like they're already making all this money. They get their own apartment. They're all doing their own shit. And here I am not wanting to go into law enforcement, which we all came out of and being like, I want to do something new. And then you run into the aspect that Booker was talking about is like the freedom of choice. It's like, okay, I'm not going to go into law enforcement. So now what am I going to do? And you're like trying to pick, you're like, oh, I could go this way. I could go that way. I could do that thing. I could do this thing. And that took forever to settle upon. So it was like, once I figured out like, okay, this is the route I was going to go. It was like, cool. But you're starting at square one and then everyone around you is already like at square 20 and you're like, damn, I must have fucked up because I'm so far behind. And it's like, now you're just, you're starting over, you're building a new garden, you know, so you have to dig into the soil, get dirty and all that shit while everybody's already picking all their vegetables and shit. And you're just like, yo, what the fuck? And so you just feel like my whole life is just a constantly like one thing after the fucking next. Like I don't get no downtime. I don't get to enjoy the fruits of my labor because it was like, that was the military. Like go, 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 go. And then you're like, okay, I'm getting out. Everything's going to be great. You get out and you get flooded with this freedom of choice, which is awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy being out of the military, but there are certain things where you're like, oh, I was not prepared for this at all. Like this influx of like freedom of choice and then being like, damn, I got to start over and everyone around me is already fucking doing great things. And like, fuck, I got to start all over again. Like, it's, it's like enlisting into the military again and starting out being T. You're like, I got to go through this shit again, dude. That shit killed me. Yeah. I mean, on the bright side, at least you're not starting over making like $600 paychecks. <laughs> One of the worst parts about first joining the military is you don't make any money in the beginning. Like, you're just like out here broke. Like, I thought, I remember like in BMT, I think in everyone like has this where it's like you get out of BMT and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see my, my bank account looking like I'm about to go, you know, buy this and buy that. Because a lot of people, that's the first time they ever got real money. You know, because like you're 18 or whatever, and you've been working your grocery stores or some minimum wage job, you know, part time. So you was only making like two, three hundred dollars. You know, now you you making full wage, full time wages, and then it's like you see your bank account there's only like twenty two hundred in there, and you're like, man, I did all this for twenty two hundred dollars. That's freaking crazy. But you know, it it's. It still like it was still felt rewarding because it's still the most money that I ever had at that point, you know. And oh. so it was. I'll say those are some of the joys of joining, yeah. you know. But kind of to get off the negative connotation of like, what would you guys say the best thing that, like, what is the best part about being out? Personally, best part about being out. Is not having to fucking shave your face, dude. 
I would wake up every morning and just like putting that razor to my face. I'd be like, I'm just going to slide this across my throat. Like this is terrible. <laughs> I hated shaving my face. And in the military, they're like, oh, you got a five o'clock shower. You're like, I can't help that, man. I can't make my hair stop growing. So like being out now and having my beard, like I've turned down jobs after getting out of the military because they're like, oh, you have to shave. But I was like, I'm not fucking shaving. Like I didn't get out of the military to shave again. So I was like, I held out for a job that was like, no, we don't care if you have a beard. So like having a beard for me, and this is like a very personal thing. But, like, just having that beard has been, like, the biggest thing about being out of the military. Like, I can have a beard, and it's just amazing. Like, I always tell people when I was in, like, yo, if the military would just let me have this beard, I'd probably stay in. But the fact that, like, every morning you got to shave, it, that killed me. So I really enjoy being out and having a beard now. For me, mostly, it's just the freedom, man. Like, piggyback on what you were saying like when we first got out it was like starting over and it was like like i had the same vision as you i didn't want to go back into law enforcement which i would have went straight into law enforcement i would live pretty well right now i'm not saying that i don't live well now but i would have been way more ahead than what i would have been if i went right back into law enforcement but it's just that freedom man it's just like you guys like just coming here like, I think we just did, like, sent each other, like, a message, like, three weeks ago, like, hey, come down uh, for uh, Memorial Day weekend. And y'all, like, bet, I'm there. I just booked my flight. Me, too. All right, all right, I'm going to make sure I have these days off. And then it's, like, all right. In the military, we never had that. It was always, like, asking permission. And as a grown-ass man, even, like, for me, I didn't come, I didn't go into the military when I was 18. I went in when I was 20. All right, 19 going 20 or something, 20 going 21. So it was like getting to my first duty station and having to stay in a dorm because the Air Force, quote unquote, don't think I'm responsible yet to live out on my own, which was like blasphemy just for the simple fact that I was like, I was living on my own before I even came in this motherfucker. Like, and I get like, Air Force is probably one of the best ones just for the simple fact like Marines and Army. I, I don't believe they leave the dorms until they get married. So it's like definitely wasn't doing that right out of the gate. So it was a little different, but it's just that freedom. I was tired of always having to take leave to uh, like bust my ass to take leave and fight to get my leave approved just to go. And then it was like, as I came back to to base and whatever, then it was like, well, you were on leave. Like we gave you, like it was a reward. Like, oh, it, you weren't, we're not supposed to give you leave. You earned it, but don't think that we were supposed to give it to you type mentality. So now it's just like, hey, I'm taking these days off. I don't, even if I don't feel like, if I, I hardly ever take days off as it is. And then the military, ended up paying for that because I had 84 days of just free time to where I was basically out of the military, but still getting paid because I had so much leave time because I wasn't putting up with that bullshit of having to take leave every five minutes just to, or trying to argue to take leave just to get leave. So it's uh, the freedom is for me, it, is in my mindset that was the biggest thing it was like i was way more i had internal monsters that were just like i would be instantly pissed off because you're going through so much bullshit that you're just like fuck this my mental health is just not where i needed to be i'd rather get out and struggle and be happy than to have to sit here and live pretty well I will give the military that live extremely well, but mentally be fucking gone. And I didn't want, for me, it was like everything went from, I had, it was the right moment for me to get out. I was like, do it now or don't try. I to definitely agree. Out. But you said something about um, <clears throat> people living in the dorms and stuff. And like, one thing I say about being a supervisor was, I see why now they make people live into the dorms. I don't move into the dorms 
I had a troop, and I won't name any names, but I had a troop that was pretty, like, you think about it, like, you get 18-year-olds, and, you know, it's like, clean your room, and it's like, stuff like that, but there are people who join, and, like, they don't have any type of cleanliness or anything like that, like, for you, you know, for me, you know, it's like, my mom, you know, always was on me, talking about, yeah, clean your room, you, know, you gotta stay clean, you gotta take a shower, you know, it's like, you would think those are basic concepts that you would come in and be like, okay, yeah, they know that you, there are literally people who like, was like, oh, I had to shower today. Like, and it like, it sounds crazy, but it really is like that basic. Like I literally would have to tell like one of my troops, like, bro, did you shower today? Like when you went to the gym this morning and you lifted and you ran and we played basketball or whatever we did today, did you go back to your room and take a shower. Mm-hmm. No. Like, why? Why would you not? Why would you come here stinking? Like, I, I don't understand. And it was like things like that would like blow my mind. But it made me also understand like why some of the reasons why you know the military does the way they do it because you know you get a ton of people like that, and you get this, some that come in and they're super freaking squared yeah. away, and you know they feel like it's dumb, but it's like, yeah, there's those five guys in the dorms that completely stink and don't take showers, you know, so that for that, but my thing, my part of my freedom, this probably going to sound dumb, but mine was hair, bro. Like I, I did not like, it's not that I didn't like getting a haircut. Cause we, we had an episode where we talk about the power of the haircut and how important it is. Mm-hmm. But my thing was, was that like, I hated when like, sometimes, you know, you're out and you're just like, man, I haven't gotten a haircut in a while. You know, it's like, I need to go get one. But you, you, you know you're going to go get one, right? But, you know, every day you have to hear so-and-so bitch about your hair, like, what's going on with your haircut? Or you get one, and they're like, oh, it's not faded, right? Or, oh, it's not this, and oh, it's not that. And it's like, bro, shut up. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like, I got a haircut. Like, what more do you want me to do? Like, just because it's not the way you want it, or, you know, you don't think it's professional or and then they had this like vague rag in there was like faddish like anything can be a fad like what does that mean you know what i'm saying it's like it's just one of those things where it was like man like these people can nitpick anything and i think that was the biggest thing for me it was like man i don't like if i go get a haircut and i just get a fade on the side and call it a day you know i can do that you know i don't have to be like yeah i don't have to be like you know, uh, I got to get this high top fade, you know, with a comb, with the, couldn't get the part in your hair, though. I will say since we got out, like, they have, uh, they have relaxed a lot on their eggs and stuff. So I feel like that stuff helps, too, because it will keep people in the military. But that was for me, man. Like, I was, I was, uh, I was so happy when I got, you see, I got the braid now. I'm, oh, yeah. I see I'm out here with the Kawhis, you know what I'm saying? So, uh that was my that was my favorite thing and shaving too man i didn't shave a lot but when i did it just destroyed my skin and i just freaking hated it so much but it's good to see that everybody you know is doing well mm-hmm. and i try to keep in touch with a lot of the post you know military people but i just hope that anyone that's watching this you know you can take things away from this you know like take advice from us one thing i will say is that just because that worked for me or that worked for Malcolm, or that worked for Caleb. It may not work for you. So don't take our word as like, oh, well, if you get out and do this, you'll be here, here. You know, it may not work out for you like that. But if you are getting out, you know, these are just some good tips, things you can do to just up yourself, you know, and just be better. So, but with that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get into a second half. We're going to talk a little bit more about like just common day life stuff with our boys sleeves and, you know, and just do what we do here on the podcast. So we'll take a quick break for our sponsor and we will be back. All right, y'all, we're back. We appreciate y'all <clears throat> taking a listen to the sponsors. Like we always say, back in season one helps us a little bit here and there with cost. It's not cheap to make a podcast, but we appreciate y'all. So. One of the things we are going to talk about here in the second half is why we're on hiatus. Now, for those who don't follow us on social media, and you should, but uh, you should, you'll probably see that King Diamond and I bought a house, and I bought a house. So 
Uh, that was one of the biggest reasons why we went on hiatus. It is a challenge to buy a house right now. You guys don't know the housing market's like crazy right now. Interest rates are really low. So there's a lot of families like trying to take advantage of that and get in houses. So one of the biggest things for us was like, okay, if we're going to go out and buy a house and it just takes a lot to transition from where you're at into your house. It's not really as easy as it sounds. For me, I got lucky and I kind of like fell into a house, you know, but Malcolm on the other hand had a terrible time trying to find a house and what bidding and all that stuff and it, all that stuff goes into it. So it's hard to, you know, say like, what is, what time you might have, you might have what I had and be like, I'm gonna buy a house. And then 29 days later you close, or you may have his time where you're like, man, I bid, I have went to like 40 houses and I bid it on like all these houses and I got outbidded and blah, blah, blah. And this is, it, it's kind of like one of those things that I think as a younger community and younger people don't really understand how, how difficult it can be to buy a house. Um, so we want to kind of talk about our experiences there. I'll let Malcolm go first on how his house process went. Yeah, so mine was a very challenging process for the simple fact that Houston seems to have everyone and their mom wanting to live here. What we're getting a lot is people from California buying, selling their houses and then coming to California or coming to Houston. So they're selling their houses for 300,000, probably half a mil, and then coming here and seeing how cheap they can buy a house out here. So they're paying over 60,000 over asking just to, just because they can, or you have a lot of places nowadays they do cash up front so basically they'll give you the cash up front and then for a small percentage of interest and then what they do is you get the loan and then you just pay that over time so you pay a little extra more than the regular percentage you do on a house but if you're giving a cash offer it's way more pleasable uh, for the seller than it is to actually have a mortgage for me me and Raven started back in January, and I'm telling you, I looked at like probably over 60 houses, put in bids for over 40 houses until we finally got the house that we got. And I'm super excited for the house that we got. It is not perfect now, but it has the potential for when we actually put shit into it that the equity and everything raises our property 10 times more than what it would be if we don't do anything to it. Um, it's very stressful. Uh, I did not use my VA like I told you guys in the previous episode. I'm not married, so I couldn't use it unless I was basically paying all the bills, which in this market, it's very, very hard, especially when you're starting from scratch. You know, if I was a police officer, more than likely, I would have been like, I got this. But since I started a whole new different career, it's slow grind, uh, peaks and valleys of it. So, yeah, it was a very stressful time, difficult, but I stayed positive. Positive mindsets make positive outcomes. We're super excited about this house. We're actually all in it right now. And... We, I've always knew I was going to get a house as cocky as that might sound. Like I never, no matter how many bids fell out for us, I always knew like everything happens for a reason. And though we fell in love with some houses, there were other houses. I felt like those houses weren't for us for other reasons that I can't explain, but it was just right timing, right place, right everything. So that's my process, my take on it. Like he said, it might be different for everyone else. It might be hard, just like it was for me. If you need tips or pointers or basically I'll, the biggest one I could tell you is stay positive. Things will, will eventually go forward. I wanted to ask what was like when you guys were in the market, like looking for your houses, what was like the biggest thing you guys were looking for in houses? Because I know like some people like 
uh, having a huge backyard. Some people want two stories. So like, what were some of the things when you guys were looking at houses that you're like, this house needs to have this, or I would like it to have this? Uh, first. For me, um, I just wanted space. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one of the biggest things I had an issue with, with renting is like, I feel like you, you're paying so much for so little. Um, you know, if you live in, I don't know where you people live who are listening to this, but I live in Florida and it's very expensive in the area I'm at for what I'm getting. I'm paying, I was paying almost like $1,200 for a one bedroom apartment. And I was like, man, I can't fuck this. I can't do this anymore. Like I'm in a one bedroom, one bath and I can't like, I can barely fit all my stuff in and I'm paying almost as much as a mortgage. So it was one of those things where like I wanted space. Um, so I was looking for houses that definitely were bigger in size, but weren't like absolutely huge. Um, like I didn't need no like five bedroom, you know, two, three bath, but I was looking for something decent size um, that was gonna, you know, accommodate for what I had. And then, yeah, granted it was just me, but like I have, ideas of like how rooms I want or things I want in my house specifically. So it was one of those things where like, I was like, okay, I want good space, you know, then we're bang for my buck, you know, putting in something money towards something I own rather than something I don't own. And I can just do stuff. Like if I want to add a debt to my house, I can do that now. You know, I'm not on in this apartment where I, all I can do is mount a TV on the wall and put a picture on the wall. You know, I, I can have some customization for myself. So that was one, that was the biggest thing for me. What about you? I was very picky when it came to buying a house because I had a lot that I wanted. For the most part, I was okay with a two-story house, but I wanted a one-story house just because I knew electricity-wise, keeping it cool is a lot easier than having uh, a two-story house. Um, For me, from people that I talked to that are from Houston, it was more wise to go with uh, an older home. A lot of people would be like, think like, that's stupid. Why would you want to go with an older home? But the reason why I would want to go with the older home is because, especially here, the possibility of hurricane. If you have an older home, they're built well to endure the weather that you're going to receive other than these, I call them cookie cut houses. And it was, a lot of them are, though they look super nice, they're not really made to last these huge as hurricanes and implement weather that Houston gets. Another thing for me, is I didn't want a cookie cut house. I didn't want something that was already super nice. And a lot of people look at me and be like, why wouldn't you want a super nice house? And my whole thought process on that was I wanted to do upgrades to where, like I said, I have the ability to add more equity into the house than to have everything well, good to go. And everything's what everyone else would want. There's nothing you can really do to, put more equity into it so those were my thought processes of buying a house whether i had a huge backyard or not as long as i had a decent one to where mars could you know run up and down my dog had the ability to you know get exercise and shit like that those things weren't that those things were important but the the ones i mentioned were the the key elements to what house or what type of house I was looking for. So what would you guys say if you were going to give advice to the people listening to this podcast about going out and buying a house, what would be like one piece of advice and be like, make sure that you do this. Um, for me, I would say the biggest advice I can give you is get a good realtor um, and get a good bank. And that sounds like crazy basic, but you can ask Malcolm, like, you have a shitty realtor or you have a shitty bank who takes forever to help like close and get the paperwork and stuff going, it's just going to make it tougher on you. Um, I had an awesome team. They got my stuff processed. You know, granted, I did go the cookie cutter house route because I wanted something newer and more up to date. 
because I'm trying to start investing in property, right? So I don't, this wasn't going to be my forever home. So I didn't want to put a whole bunch of money into it besides the money I needed to put to get the house. So that was my thing, but I had a really good team. So, you know, the loan officer lady, like every time she's like, Hey, I need this. Like immediately she would hit me up and I made sure I was immediately, you know, getting her the paperwork she needed. Um, if the realtor was like, Hey, this house is available to go look at. I was like, okay, when can we go? Like, you know, getting out there and making sure, because one of the things is definitely is timing. Like the first couple of houses I looked at, um, some already had offers on them. Some people went to open houses that were a week ago and people were putting offer and yeah, they'll give you a timeline of like, Hey, we'll accept offers up to this time. But generally when like they have open houses and stuff and they get to meet the people up front, you know, they usually lean towards those people they met at the open house rather than Alex who just came and looked at the house and then put in an offer and they never met them and never talked to them. And so sometimes those things, though they sound minute and petty, you know, like they might, that might be enough to get the house for you. You know, like, Hey, I got to talk to the owner. The owner liked me. We was cool. And, uh, <clears throat> he really wanted to sell me the house, you know, and that sounds crazy, but that, those are the things I say, you know, hop on whatever house you want, you know, like hop on it, you know, and make sure if your realtor, the bank you're going with is running slow, fuck it. Go to another bank because most of the time you just get pre-approved and there's no penalty for not using the loan usually. So if you're not going to use, you know, bank A's money, just fuck it. Just, just go to another bank, get pre-approved as fast as you can and go back and, you know, like, hey, you know, they're running faster. They're doing more. Sometimes banks will give you more money, more wiggle room. Some banks have more, um, <clears throat> they have more uh, funding to help you as well with closing costs and stuff like that. So just make sure you pick a good bank and a good team. That's, that's my biggest advice. So for me, my biggest advice for you guys is just patience. The reason why I say patience is going to be the best thing is because at times you're going to feel demoralized. Like you're just going to be like, I'm putting in all these bids to get these houses. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm, I'm even offering more than what they're asking me. And it's still just not, it's still just not working out for me. Like what the hell? So basically um, just have patience guys. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And the reason, another reason why I would say to have patience is because don't just get a house just because you just want a house. Like, get something that you're able to afford that actually works for you, and um, actually gonna suit you and your needs. Don't just buy a house just because you know. I know I know there was one house that was like sixteen hundred square feet, and it was like four bedrooms two baths and i was just like i'm not paying that i'm not paying a shit ton of money for only a 1600 square feet house like that's just that's too small for me especially for four rooms you basically got like three janitor closets for a room and then like a kid's room for a master bedroom like i'm not doing all that you're just so just have patience shit does go your way eventually you know and for us we were able to get the house that we you know a house that we like that we enjoy and everything as well as like book said have a good team with you we started with one our realtor we started we, i've known her for a few years because she helped us find houses to rent and then she was like one of the only renter or realtors that i actually trusted to the point where I didn't feel comfortable going to somebody else and we were getting referred to family members of uh, realtors, friends of fam like friends, relatives that do realtoring. And I was like, nah, I'd rather go with someone I trust. And then for the bank, we went with one company, but it just seemed like the mortgage and the the rate just kept changing on us like we would find a house and it would be like okay we got it and then it'd be like what is the what's the mortgage projected to be and they'd be like what the f why is it so high like everything like 
and then they're like, well, we can, you, you can always go up from what we approved you for. So it's, and it's like, why would I want to go up when it's already super high for even a little house, uh, the little houses that I'm okay with now. So we went with another one that was somewhat slower, but in the end, it was a better, better situation for both of us. So just because they're super quick doesn't mean that they're going to be the most beneficial to you. I would also say and one more thing and then we'll get off houses. But another thing I would say that I recommend is um, stay in your comfort zone um, with money. You know, you may see a house that you really like. Don't let the realtors and banks be like, oh, we can get you more if you need more. Like, unless you really want that house, like the money range you want to stay in, just stay in it. You will find a house that you like that's in your comfort money wise. So don't always, I know there's a lot of times, like my realtor kind of did this in the beginning and it's not in like a knock, but like she would show me, like I had a range and she'd show me sometimes a little bit above my range and it ended up being good and bad because, you know, I found something that I was cool with and it was still, it was in my range, even though it was a little bit more, but it, for some people, you know, like that bottom line is that bottom line. So, you know, stay at your bottom line if you have one, that's my biggest thing, but we both ended up getting houses and we wanted, and um, maybe one day we can show, have house tour videos for both our houses, let people see if you guys are interested in something like that. That'd be pretty cool. You know, we're always looking to do more types of content and get more uh, stuff that you guys might like. So let us know if that's be something you want to be interested in, but we're going to move on from housing now and we're going to talk about stories. So I'm going to finish up with a special episode with some story time. Um, we're going to just tell, talk about, you know, some of the best stories we had times together and maybe some of the worst times we had together and uh, give you all a little insight into how we all became friends and stuff like that. So we'll go with Malcolm yeah, first. So he all my times with these two have been so, very bad. They're bad influences on my life. I don't know. My life would be 10 times better if, you know, they didn't influence me on the horrible decisions that I make when I'm with them. Um, with that being said, nah, every time that I'm with these cats, it's always a good time. On a real note, like, I've been so busy and, like, trying to improve, like, every aspect of my life right now that really the time like there has not been really a significant like memorable fun time that i've had other than the last time i was with these guys and that was at my uh daughter's baby shower so it's just like i have moments so for me it's just i've been going a thousand miles per hour these last almost last year that I really haven't had time to actually enjoy. Like I have some moments, but the honest to God, the last time that I've just like had the time of my life was with these two assholes and um, some other buddies of mine at my daughter's baby shower. And it was just like, I didn't even think I even got that much sleep while they were here, but I had so much energy, so much laughing, so much fun that it was like, you couldn't buy it. Like all the money in the world couldn't buy the the amount of fun that I had, so I would give it up to them about that. That was probably one of the best moments that I have with them. Um, worst moment with these two is probably Halloween a couple of years ago, because this asshole to my right tried to set me up uh, for a Halloween costume that I didn't want to do, and then he somehow talked me into doing it. And then when I came to a, a Halloween party, it didn't go well. I'll just put it at that. Well, I mean, I didn't set you up. You asked me what costume you think you should wear. And I gave you my advice. So I was like, you know what? I think this would be a good. So we'll go back. The costume was Julius Caesar, right? And there was this girl that he used to talk to. And I knew that she was being Cleopatra. But... I just told Malcolm that he should be Julius Caesar because he was already contemplating about being Julius Caesar. So I was like, yeah, go ahead, be Julius Caesar. That'd be great. And she ended up being Cleopatra. So we get to the party and <laughs> he like sees her dressed as Cleopatra and he immediately just rips his costume off 
and like and like gets a shot. Like he's so distraught. I was dying laughing because I was like, man, it's not that serious, man. Why you take your costume off? You see, world, you see what I have to deal with? This man set me up. He knew for a fact that that was not a good idea for me. And he had me asking for one of my friend's advice. And this is what I get back in return. You know, I valued his opinion and he just shot me in the back on it. It's just so shitty. I didn't portray you. I just, you know, put a little bit of, you know, emphasis on a certain costume I would prefer. And for you, I felt like that was a good one for you. But Halloween was a definitely interesting. It was an interesting night. I fell asleep on a speaker. Uh, it was it was wild. So um, that was a, that's a good time we had. I think one of my favorite is uh, when we went to that one bar in Wichita Dempsey's, um, and we had like the whole squad. This is probably goes goes into the best and worst because. It was a good night, but then we got in trouble at, at in the military, like with our supervisor leadership because like of what happened. But I'll give you all the stories. I'll give I'll set you all the, the backstory. So imagine this. You go to this like there's this little hole in the wall place in Wichita. It's called Dempsey's. If you're from Wichita area, you know it's like legendary there. But if you're not from Wichita, just imagine a small, small like little hole in the wall bar. That is actually really good food. And they have like a downstairs bar area, like den bar, whatever. And we would frequent there. So one night we go and I don't know why, but it was just like everyone and their mother, like from work was there, like on every flight too. It was like, if you guys don't know how like security forces are split up, you're like split up in the flights based on what shifts you work and what days you work. So we always work swings. And you work days, just yeah. work days, yeah. So he was on days. We and Malcolm were on swings. So we had like the whole swing shift there, like half a day shift there, and like some mid shift people. So that's like twenty five people, oh, yeah. easy, easy. That's like twenty five people. So we get there, and there was this girl there that was I, I wasn't really talking to at the huh. time, but like we was cool. And he's lying, world. He's lying. He was <laughs> talking to her. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So yeah, she was there. She bartended there, right? And so we go there and she's like, she was just like one of those girls, like I didn't understand her. I don't think anybody to this day understands her. She was just like feeding us drinks. Like when I say feeding us drinks, like I just want you to imagine a bartender coming out of the bar, bringing you a tray, a tray of Vegas bombs and being like, come on guys, let's get lit. Like, and then we weren't paying for them. Like that was the craziest part. Like. We weren't paying for anything. She was just bringing it out and was like, here, Vegas bombs. Like, we want you to turn up. So, like, we're just getting super drunk. And I, like, I'm up at the bar. I'm talking to her. And they're back, like, just hanging out. And, like, I literally turn around. And it's, like, something out of, like, a movie where literally, like, the whole bar is fighting. Like, there's just, like, 20 people just fighting, throwing hands. Chairs are flying everywhere. I'm just like, what the what happened? Like literally in this amount of time, I'm like, what happened? Like how how could this have happened? Happened like this fast? And I'm like, what happened? What happened? Like running up on people, like what happened? Like trying to almost trying to fight. Like who wants to smoke? Like what's up? Like I'm thinking like somebody else started a fight with us. Come to find out, it's our own people fighting each other. Like, but it was a good time, you know. I always ended up like every time we would all go out, it always would be a good time. So it just built good memories, and now it's like. You go out and you're like, we go out now and like, for instance, we went on Saturday and it was like, man, this is so calm compared to what we used to do. Like, we're just sitting here, just like chalk drinking and talking, talking. And it's like, man, this is not like 10 minutes ago, we would have did like 30 shots and we would have been trying to talk to like seven different chicks and we probably would be fighting with the guys that they came here with or something like it's just it was always a good time. It was always a good time. Yeah, let's talk about the fact that back in those days we could drink the bar dry and now we have like five coronas each and we're like, whoa, man, kind of got to take it slow yeah. now. Like we, our tolerance is shot now. Yeah. But yeah, that, that night at Dempsey's, like how I imagine it in my mind is like, you know, in like those old Western movies, like when people get into saloon fights and like the chairs are being thrown and all that. Yeah, when I turned around from the bar to see what was going on, that's how I imagined. I was just like, what is going on? Like tornadoes, like going through the- I was like, what is happening? 
And I just remember our buddy Sam says, all this chaos is happening. He's just sitting at the beer really quietly, <laughs> drinking his beer, finishes his beer, just sets it on the table, and then stands up and just goes, ah! <laughs> and just starts going wild. And I was like, what is he doing? But that that was a good night. Um, the Halloween night, that was a great night. Find, I found Booker on that speaker, passed out, and that blew my mind. Like, I mean, this isn't a speaker that's turned off. This is a speaker... And you're talking the height of the night. Like, they're just blasting music. Everybody's dancing. And my man's just sitting on the stage, slumped over this speaker, knocked out cold. I was like, this is mind-blowing that this dude can – and he literally – he can sleep anywhere. It does not matter. He's just going to find somewhere to rest his head, and then he's out. He's done. So those those were definitely two good nights. Um, I think it, easily my worst night – it was probably the night I walked six miles home from Rock Island because I gave all my shit away and then exited the club out the <laughs> wrong door. They all thought I would like disappeared or went home with some girl or something like that. So they all get in their cars and leave. Well, then I got the police like, hey, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm just walking home. And my house isn't that far away from where it was downtown, but I like took a wrong tr- turn in my like drunken stupor. And I was like, I don't even know where I am. So it like took me the entire night. The clo- the bar closed at like 2, 2 a.m. in Wichita or something like that. I don't think I made it home till almost like 5 o'clock just because I was walking for a bit. I was just like, this is the worst. So that, that was probably one of the worst nights for me. Uh, I mean, still a good night, like looking back, but my legs were shot after that. Um, and then probably one of the best nights um, – I don't know, man. I, I would have to say Halloween for me was like just one of the funnest nights because we got there and the bar was dead and we were like, geez, man, this is going to be like such a lame Halloween. And that night turned it out wild. Like everybody showed up. I remember they were playing like swag surfing by Little Wayne and we were bumping to that, dancing. That was a good time. That was probably one of my favorite memories of you guys. Oh, and that's the night uh, Booker saved me too from Selena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was about to bring that up. Like, how's that not one of your worst nights or worst moments with us, I would say? No, nah, there's this girl. Surprise. I'm going to ruin the story now. It wasn't a girl. <laughs> but they were dressed as Selena, and I'm faded. So I was just like, oh, what's up? And I'm anytime I get drunk, I just want to dance. That's all I want to do. So I'm dancing, see Selena, I start dancing with her, and then I just feel Booker's hand grab onto me. And then pulled me back, and he was like, uh, that's Selena. Oh, yeah, so that, no, that was, hands down, one of the Booker's biggest saves for me was saving my life from that. Because after that, I was like, oh, I need to calm down. I need to chill out and drink some water. Yeah, it was crazy because it was like, I just didn't understand how you didn't know as a, know as a man. Like, it wasn't like one of those, like, transgenders that you know like you really and there's like no offense to any transgenders or anything like that like there are some that like high quality and you just like can't tell they used to be a man but this wasn't one of them it was like low budget like transition so like it was just a dude with long hair like in a dress who was like kind of light skin and wore makeup and i was like uh bro like that's clearly a man like and Chestnut was just over there just grinding away and i just like i literally grabbed him i like pulled him up and was like bro and he's like what what I was like, that's a dude, and it's like his face was just was just this like full of this. He just was just ashamed of himself. He's like, oh. <laughs> it's a like jaw drop. But yeah, that was a good time, good time definitely. And it was just like the night you were talking about the night you walked home. I think the the funniest thing about that whole entire night is like no one knew you were missing until like the next day. <laughs> it was like the next day everyone's like texting or being like you know like talking about what happened or saying what happened, and then like. Finally, someone was just like, what happened to Chestnut? And it was like, oh, shit. What happened? What did happen to Chestnut? Like, nobody knew. And then here he comes, like, the next day. We see him, like, at changeover at work. And he's just like, bro, I walked home six miles. <laughs> and everybody's just like, what the? F- how did you walk home? Like, how? And he's just like, I just gave all my shit away. And, like, we're just, like, baffled. Like, why would you give all your shit away? And you're just like, I don't know. I just gave it away. Like, like, I was like, oh, man. But, yeah, we always ended up having a really good time. 
together. And I think that's the biggest thing in the military is that you make really good friends. You always have really good memories. So that's one of the things I cherish the most about my time in the military. Yeah, I would say there was far way more good times with these two than there were far bad times. I mean, for us, for the most part, it was even the bad parts weren't even that really bad. It was just like we kind of set ourselves up to a little for failure on some of the actions we took. But overall, it was good to go. It was just, yeah, young mentality. You know, we're all in our like early to mid 20s. So, you know, you're out there doing bullshit, you know, like so it wasn't necessarily always bad, but. Sometimes when it was bad, it, sometimes it did get bad. But, you know, no one ever got hurt. No one ever got in trouble, seriously, at least. So that was always good. That was always a plus. Um, but it was just always cool, you know, it's just to hang out with our, hang out with people, you know, you know, make good friends. And, you know, it's good to stay connected. So that was one of the best things, you know, and I, I'm glad that we're still all cool to this day. So appreciate y'all. No, I'll definitely say those those bad times, they're not really bad times looking back on them. They were bad in the moment, but they're what bonded us even deeper. You know, it's like the friendships that we have now, especially the friendships in the military, it's those things that you have to suffer together that you look back on and you're like, damn, dude, that was wild. I can't believe we went through that. And then they become like really good memories that you're like, I'll never forget that time. So even those bad times are actually good times. But yeah, I'm definitely glad that you know, we all stayed in contact because we know how it is. Like a lot of people get out of the military and then just get swept away with, you know, starting this new life. So holding on to the friends that you do have outside of the military that you made those memories with, that's very important. So I definitely appreciate coming down and being on the podcast and all that stuff. Yeah, before we go that, I would say that is probably one of the key things because we do have a lot of people even have numerous stories with, but the connections, not really. It, it's either little to or to none with some of the people that we all used to hang out with religiously, day in and day out. So it's like just to be able to connect and still be able to, you know, a come down here. A we're gonna take a trip to AZ. A we're going to Panama City. A or you know, a let's go to this country. Let's go out here and people actually willing to actually do that is something beautiful because we do have a lot of friends that we don't really have that anymore and it's sad but i mean everyone has their own lives to live and fortunately i'm blessed to still have these two assholes in my life even though they make me do bad decisions and are really detrimental to my uh life that's coming from the master manipulator. Or, or. Hey, hey, don't be giving out my my little nicknames out here in these streets. All right, my alter egos. Yeah, y- y'all don't know the half of it, so don't don't be listening to King Diamond Eye sometimes. You know, he'd be out here capping. But, yeah, keeping in touch is, is very important. And one thing I will close on is just if you have friends, you know, keep in touch with them. You know, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. You know, that one text message, like that one, hey, how you doing? You know, what's been going on? Maybe something that maybe helped them, you know, get through the next day or get to the next week or next month, you know, they may be feeling down. So never be afraid to, you know, hit up some old people. They, they don't respond. They don't respond if they're not receptive, whatever. Like you did your part, you know, and that's all you can do. So we'll close with that. But we hope you guys enjoyed this special episode hope you guys like the way we're heading in the direction of the podcast you know we always say if you're not if whatever let us know um chime in we have our we'll have our social medias all always in the <clears throat> in the descriptions so you can follow us follow the instagram uh, forever rich instagram page we have a facebook page now the forever rich facebook page you can follow us on that best way to stay up to date with what we're doing um, no definitive date just yet for season two. So, but stay tuned. We'll be having that eventually here very soon. Um, but we glad that, you know, hope everyone's doing okay. We're glad to see you guys, you know, are still listening and staying tuned and we appreciate y'all support. 
Yeah, absolutely, guys. You know, we wouldn't be here without you guys. Or at least we'd still be doing it, but it'd probably be a little rough. Um, uh, Caleb, we appreciate you coming, being the first, I guess, guest, if you could say that. You're more like a brother, more like an uh, an influencer you're like you're still part of the forever rich group it's just on this you're just you know not on it daily but this is what we were talking about guys we have way more guests that we like to bring forward for season two like alex said we don't have a particular date on when we will make the official return this was just a special edition like we said we had the boys here, so it was like, why not do one for the fans? And then gives us the ability to practice the, the upgrades to how to make the podcast better. So thank you. We appreciate you. Like I always say, positive mindsets make positive outcomes. And we appreciate you guys.